Hello, and welcome back to the Logan and Jake Take podcast. Bro, I feel like one. <laughs> You're too loud. <laughs> Two. Oh. Everything that we just talked about is going to be at the beginning of this. And we're going to be like, oh, we're getting canceled. Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, Yes, our, our goal this weekend always is to not get canceled. We out here trying to get picked up, so we certainly right. don't need to get canceled. <laughs> Uh, you gonna so, cancel us? At least wait for like 30, 40 years, so we've made all the money we can. <laughs> <laughs> Let us make our money moves, and then we'll move on along. Let to me the next get my billions. Life, yeah. All right, Logan. Uh, so, how was your week? Oh my god. Um, you know, it started out. It started out cool. Started out fine. It's nice and easy. Then people started calling out from work and I had to pick up various shifts on my days off and it's just all falling downhill from there. But, uh, besides that doing great. Saw a bunch of movies that I've been wanting to see for a while. Uh, God, my life sounds boring besides that. Cause I haven't really done much else. Oh, wait, no. Finished filing my taxes. I got it in at the buzzer. Yeah. I owe the state money. Same. Uh, we 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 finished with ours uh, today, and um, the state owes me one dollar. The state owes you a dollar. Mm-hmm. Which I actually them owe me a dollar than me, because uh, I I somehow owe the state of Georgia three hundred and six dollars. How? I don't know. They, you know, it goes up every year. Last year, I owed them two hundred and fifty-six. You know, like they, I always, typically, I always owe them a few bucks, but like they haven't paid me what they owed me the last two years, and I've gotten letters from the IRS saying that they were going to send a check, including interest, and that it should be arriving within two weeks. I've gotten that letter every six months or so for the last two years. So I'm expecting one Bro, day they're on pandemic time. It's one it's day the IRS is randomly going to send me a check for like a grand <laughs> because they'll have all the interest accrued, you know. Um, then you'll have to report it on your taxes for next year, and then they'll be like, "You owe us fourteen thousand dollars." Probably so. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> so uh, there's been actually been a good bit of um, of the good of the good pop culture stuff this week. Um, uh, we had, of course, Fantastic Beasts. The uh, Secrets of Dumbledore came out. We're going to review that. Um, we both saw Sonic 2. Um, I watched uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, I did not see that one. We both, we, we, <clears throat> we're, we're going to talk about Moon Knight, uh, episodes two and three. I saw X. Um, yeah, Logan saw X. Um, so there's a great there's, comedy. There's a, there's a tremendous <laughs> amount of stuff going on. Um, Logan, I... I watched the first episode of Elementary. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. It's um, a good show. Good well, show. my thoughts were, one, uh, the actor playing Sherlock is a good actor. Yes. Uh, I like Lucy Liu, so I-, I wasn't mad at Lucy Liu being in it. Um, and I was confused. Like the, the actors that play his brother and father, also really great actors. His brother, Mycroft, uh, played by the dude that was the lizard. Yeah, and his father is John Noble. Is, uh, yeah, I was going to yeah. say his father is John Noble. Um, so, 
one observation I had about the first episode of Elementary was mm-hmm. that um, the 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 killer or well, the guy that had hired someone to kill his wife mm-hmm. is the actor that played um, Milton or whatever his name is in season three of The Walking Dead, the governor's right hand man. Wow. I was like, I don't trust you automatically. <laughs> um, Milton was a good guy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, yeah, so I watched that. Um, Savannah and I, of course, have been uh, catching up on uh, Fear the Walking Dead, Walking Dead, all that kind of stuff. So she had never seen the original show. Like uh, she'd seen maybe some of the first season. So we're, we actually started over on that so she can watch that. Been watching a lot of stuff lately. Yeah. Um, I've been reading uh, Leviathan's Wake, which is the first um, book in the Expanse saga. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, for anyone who has seen the Expanse, I've not seen it, only a few episodes of it. But for anyone who has seen it, um, I know from sort of looking at Wikipedia that I am roughly what you would call five or six episodes into the first season of the show story-wise. Which is a little further than I had watched when it aired, and I watched like the first three episodes. Um, I'm enjoying it. It does stall out a little bit the same way that I remember the show doing. Um, That's why I stopped watching it. The the show got very boring very quickly. But I am thinking Mm. that it's got to be teetering right on the edge of getting interesting. Mm-hmm. So like I'm reading it a little slower than I would be if I thought it was just a real page turner, but I've still read about 200 pages this week. So nice. um, good to be in the habit of reading again. I'm enjoying that. I think in the last, the last week or so I have gotten through the second half of season nine of the walking dead and I last night finished season 10. So now I just have to figure out where to watch what's already aired of season 11. And I will be caught up. Oh, I think I might take a, like a, a week off The Walking Dead just because it's, it's really good. I'm reminded why I love the show. It's a very bleak world. And yeah. it's, it's very depressing. Um. Well, this will be a time to do a shameless plug. Um, this week, I um, I started a a side project podcast called uh, The Dead Still Walk. Um, it is available exclusively on Spotify. That's right, y'all. Um, diversifying. Exclusively on Spotify, The Dead Still Walk. Mm-hmm. Um, the first episode is just me, but Logan will be on from time to time as well, as well as other special guests. Uh, and basically, we're going to keep the Walking Dead party started uh, going because uh, even it's though it's never going to stop, so we're gonna we're gonna have coverage of um, the last eight episodes. We're gonna have all kinds of stuff. I'm talking about Fear the Walking Dead season seven on there right now. Um, I have a review up of the first three episodes of Fear the Walking Dead season seven. Um, the way I'm doing it is like shorter episodes. Every episode of that podcast mm-hmm. is going to be like 30 minutes long and, uh, like I said, available exclusively on Spotify. So if you like uh, bite-sized chunks of zombie reviews, really? uh, pun intended, really? um, check us out. The Bite Dead Still Walk. The uh, 
hilariously unauthorized and completely unofficial uh, Walking Dead Universe podcast. So, as Logan said, big things, diversifying. We're uh, we're slowly but surely building our own podcasting network. Um. <clears throat> so, Logan, do you have? If anybody's um, interested in pro wrestling, I, I'm thinking about starting a pro wrestling podcast. And okay. I would love to have people on there. I am glad that you mentioned pro wrestling because pro wrestling and zombies worlds are about to collide here. In okay. Fear the Walking Dead season seven, mm-hmm. spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen this. Uh, in one of the episodes, I think it's episode four. Okay. Okay. So full spoilers for this episode. In episode four of season seven of Fear the Walking Dead. Talk to me. Uh two of our main characters try to help a woman who was part of what I believe was a husband and wife tag team, professional championship team, Mm. try to help her like reclaim the gym they used to train in. Right. And in a montage that was both intentionally and unintentionally hilarious, they take out a crap ton of walkers with nothing but wrestling moves. I laughed. Yeah, I'm going to need to watch that immediately. I laughed. One, because I love the pro wrestling. But two, I need to know if they executed the moves with expert precision. They executed the moves much better than the the writers executed that storytelling in that episode. Well, damn. It was not a good episode, but Mm. man, the catharsis I had from laughing. Were the actors professional wrestlers or were they just playing professional wrestlers? No, no, no. So the actors are, um, the act, like, it's Dwight and Sherry. Uh, oh, and okay. then and then like um, the the new chick that they helped. Okay. So Dwight's the main character on that show now. Dwight crosses over in season five. Sherry pops up in season six. Morgan's still on there. Morgan is the <clears throat> basically the main character. Huh. That's a, that's that, that's Alicia that's, and Strand still have big big roles, but Morgan is basically the which one was Alicia? Is that the uh, daughter? Yeah, the daughter. So she's still alive. Yes, but young Stannis Baratheon is dead. He died in season four. God rest his soul. I know Travis is dead. Uh, yeah, pretty sure he got shot in the head and fell. I thought Kim down. Dickens was dead, but she's not dead. She's coming back. Yeah, uh, so that, I really um, thought she would have made it to the main show by now. I was hoping to see that. I, I you, you know, with the way... Maybe she's doing stuff with Rick. With the way that the Daryl and Carol spinoff is being positioned, it's possible they might come across some of the characters from Fear. Have they said where they're going yet? Because I feel uh, like they the, are, whole, the whole, like, we can always go to New Mexico thing. From what I understand, Daryl and Carol are going to sort of be traveling... This is this is a rumor that I heard, but I've seen it repeated a few different places on the internet. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, the Daryl and Carol spinoff is going to be about Daryl and Carol going around to different places, possibly on behalf of the Commonwealth, possibly not, um, checking for survivors and to see if there's anybody they can help, trying to see what's out there. All right. Uh, and like Maggie and Negan, of course, are going to end up in New York. 
that's what Isle of the Dead's about. Mm. Manhattan, so, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, not gonna lie to you, I would just leave Manhattan. To I, and, and I have to be honest with you. Like, I wish we didn't know these were coming until after the finale had aired. Yeah, because now I, um, there's no there's no tension uh, that anybody I might like is going to die. Angela Kang said that, uh, the showrunner of Walking Dead, Angela Kang, said that the decision to reveal these uh, spinoffs was a corporate AMC decision that she wasn't privy to. She found out when she saw it on the internet, just like everybody else. Can you imagine if she was like, but I plan to kill at least three of these people. Um, I, my suspicion is that she was probably let in on like, you can't. Well, okay. So if you do you remember when, when, uh, um, and, and for anyone who is anyone who has not been keeping up with the walking dead or whatever, if you want to skip like maybe a minute, past me ranting about it i will take a minute to say this mm-hmm. in season nine when andrew lincoln left the show and lauren cohen left the show um they signed these super contracts like the actress that plays carol and then norman Reedus who plays daryl signed these super contracts that included that were like literally worth hundreds of millions of dollars but they included like so many appearances mm-hmm. in so many years that they had to fulfill and they signed those deals. So they signed on for the spinoff. Like I probably, they probably had to agree to like at least five seasons of the spinoff when they inked that deal. And I think that they also signed Jeffrey Dean Morgan to a huge contract at the same time because when they realized that they had lost Andrew Lincoln from the show, mm-hmm. they wanted to lock down as many main characters as they could. So I think that in AMC's mind, this was just like in- inevitable. And so I think Angela Kang probably knew the pieces that she, like what she could and could not do. Yeah. And fortunately, they are still in broad strokes following the comic storyline, even without Rick and And with Carol and yeah. And most of the major players that are still alive, even if, even though like the people who are still alive in the show and on the comics are different. Most of the major characters don't die at the end of the comics. So whoever is left on the board, I I feel like Aaron's probably going to die. I think Aaron is being positioned. He's as much. He's the closest you've got to like a Rick character in terms of the stories they're they're telling. The way Rick that they are telling the story, Aaron has become Rick. Mm-hmm. Um, with Rick taking somewhat of a back seat to Maggie and Daryl and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't think that would have happened as much if Rick had stayed on the show, but. If you look at Aaron as a substitute for most of Rick's storylines, then you can pretty well guess, if you know how the comics end, what Aaron's fate will yeah. be. And I'm already Honestly, annoyed. I but It's one reason why I'm glad Andrew Lincoln left the show. Although, and I guess this is spoilers for anybody that hasn't read the comics, but the final issue's been out for like, what, three years at this point? Yeah, about, well, at least two. Yeah, um, yeah. so... Rick dies, and what is it, the second to last issue? 
Yeah, it's like right there, yeah. the second to last issue. The most unceremonious way possible. Yeah. The man was laying in bed, then some randy jackass just rolls up and shoots him. And if you're watching the show in season 11, the really, really annoying character, Sebastian, who is the son of Governor Milton of the Commonwealth, it's Sebastian that kills Rick in the comics. So if you know who that character is, your head probably just exploded with anger at the very thought of that character killing Rick Grimes. And believe me, I don't like the end of the comics for that exact reason. No, it's on. It's, it's my least favorite thing they've done in the comics. So like, so you know how, I, I mean, I get it because like when it's your time, it's just your time. You can kind of, anybody can die any way possible. Right. But Rick Grimes had gone through so much and dealt with so much and lost so many people that to be taken out by Sebastian is unacceptable. And we, the man at the very least deserved to either die of old age or to die a warrior's death. And he got killed by like a prep school kid. When, you know, when I think about the end of the walking dead, it's very abrupt. Mm-hmm. The story's going, it's going, it's going. All of a sudden, Sebastian kills Rick. There's a time jump, and it sort of yada yadas to the end. Carl's like, and, I want to kill you, but my father taught me about justice. No. Like, how about you kill him, little Grimes? And, and, and so... Like, Judith in the show would kill him. Yes. And, and so when... Like, reading um, reading the, um, the comic, I felt like Robert Kirkman got tired of writing the comics and just abruptly ended it. The way that, like, Dan and Dave get accused of just abruptly yes, ending I Game of Thrones. But, but, like... But, but like, he actually was just like, and here, do this, 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 this. But this. The Walking Dead is actually an example of what happens when the creator just says, screw it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, you know, I know that there's been longstanding lawsuits, and um, I, I, Robert Kirkman has a, a strange relationship with the show at this point. Um, because of the the money situation with AMC, um, AMC has mismanaged a lot of stuff about this universe. Mm. Um, but the fact that he he's wanted, also making that invincible money on uh, Amazon Prime, yeah, I think he just got tired of of doing it. Um, and look, you got to think Robert Kirkman was writing these comics a long time before the show aired, so yeah. he's been doing it a while. Um, and I just, if that's the story, I feel like they had already introduced Negan in the comics long before the show was even a thing. They had. Yeah. They had. And if, and if um, you think about how long it took for the show to introduce Negan, then you, you can roughly guesstimate how long those comics had been around before that. Though. Um, I think there ended up being a total of 192 issues of the comic. Um, and I, 
I don't know. It just it, it is what it is. But to me, I I just you know I guess we'll we'll move past that because um, you know not everyone is still watching it and knows what we're talking about. Yeah. But but like for those of us who who are familiar with The Walking Dead, you will know that it has been a tumultuous ride the last five or six years. Um, uh, and it, it went from being one of the premier phenomenons like that was as at least in, in its heyday, it was like insanely popular. Um, all, all of the, all of my, all of our anime fans will know this reference I'm about to make. So in the anime community, there's known, there's what's known as the big three. Uh, and people debate this all the time, but the big three is like... Can I guess them? Sure. I, okay, so I'm not an anime fan, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try to guess them, mm-hmm. okay? I'll be happy if you get one. Naruto. Okay. Um. Uh, uh, I got this, I got this. I'm going to do it. I believe in you. All right. We got Naruto. Um, uh, Thank you for pronouncing it right, by the way. Um, Does the view have been like Naruto? I was going to get up and leave. I could be wrong about this one. Attack on Titan. Okay. I'm not going to tell you until you, you guessed your third one. Uh, Cowboy Bebop. All right. You know what? It's a solid big three lineup. No, you got one of three correct. Uh, Naruto. Um, although some people do consider Attack on Titan to be the new generation big three, uh, I don't because I don't like the ending of the manga. It's a very garbage ending, and I'm really hoping that they change it in the actual show, which it's supposed to be the final season. And last year we got Attack on Titan season four, part one, the final season. This year we got part two. We thought it was going to be the end of it. No, then like, when the finale happened a couple of weeks ago, they were like, but don't worry y'all we coming back for f- the final season part three next year. And I'm like, mother, j- I just want to know how it ends. Uh, and cowboy bebop, solid choice. Very solid choice. I love me some cowboy bebop. It's a damn shame that Netflix series didn't last. <laughs> um, but no, the big three, uh, Naruto, one piece yeah that was yeah. my honorable mention yeah I, I fucking hate one piece um and bleach which a lot of people a lot of people sleep on bleach it's fire it's got one of the best uh character themes of all time like my boy ichigo was out here doing work fighting hollows fighting enemies fighting soul reaper captains and as he's getting ready to fight just this like upbeat jazzy song just starts. It's like, if you want to see some action, gotta be the center of attraction. Great song. Look it up one day. Um, And it's, to my knowledge, it's the only time in anime history that a main character has had their song start up and he's got his sword and he's about to swing on the dude that has been revealed to be the main antagonist. Bro, he swings with all his might to kill this son of a bitch. The man not only stops his sword with but one finger, stops it with one finger, already disrespectful. The moment Ichigo's sword hits Aizen Sosuke's finger, the music stops. Mm. And from what I remember, 
that song was never played again. Bro, he lost his he theme song. He lost his theme song. That's how hard he got disrespected. He got disrespected so hard he lost his theme song. And then Eisen didn't even unsheath his blade. Cut Ichigo up to shit. Cut Ichigo all the way up. And he was like, damn, I must not have used enough power. I meant to cleave you in two. I was like, this shit's so disrespectful. And then Ichigo's like, fuck, and just falls to the ground. And then Aizen's just like, deuces, bitches, I'm out of here. And like, he looks like a nerdy dude. He's got like a, he's got like the, uh, the Logan Lerman hair. He's rocking some glasses. He and his subordinates get sucked up into the sky. And like, as he's leaving, he takes the glasses off throws them bitches to the side, gets his hand, slicks back his hair, and, bruh, the man went through. He had what the children call a glow-up in a manner of 30 seconds. Whipped his glasses off, slicked back his hair, and was just like, the next time we see each other, I'm going to kill all of y'all nooses, bitches. It was disrespectful. And then the next time they saw him, he was out here fucking people up. But before that, he sent some of his more, he sent some new subordinates uh, known as the Iran car, bro. Ichigo got his shit rocked again by this motherfucker with blue hair called Grimjow. Grimjow was whooping his ass all over the city. It was disrespectful. They can float in the air and shit and fly. He was he was just beating the dog shit out of them, knocking them through buildings and shit. It was it was it was mad disrespectful, mad disrespectful. Then then Grimjow lost a hand, showed back a showed back up again. Whooped Ichigo's ass again with one hand. Good shit. Good shit. We're finally getting the... Because they stopped. The, the anime stopped. Like like years ago. Because they just... I guess the studio was just like, yeah, we're done with this shit. It's coming back. We're getting the final season now. The Thousand Year Blood War arc, bro. Bro. It's, it's, it's a bloody mess. People not ready. These children with they new with they new school anime, they 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 my hero academias. Don't get me wrong, I love my hero. It's good shit. Um, they're not ready for the for the amount of brutality that's coming their way. So you were going like what was the comparison you were about to make with Walking Dead? The, oh, um I don't even remember. I got we lost. Were, we on the were talking about anime. We were kind of talking about how like, you know, studio interference creative interference and then like mm -hmm. it was really good and then it fell off the rails oh okay yes uh so the walking dead in in regards to like the big three of must-see tv i feel like you got this and this is in my opinion just how big the walking dead was at one point mm -hmm. you got the walking dead breaking mm -hmm. bad and, and game, game of thrones yeah so over the last 10 years those were definitely yes. the, the, like the like everybody the was watching three. all three yeah. and honorable mention Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I mean, there were some others that a lot of people were watching, of course. I mean, right. but like the ones that everybody was talking about, everybody was watching. Yes. Uh, I it guess, was, it was, it was next day cooler talk, if you will. Right. But, uh, um, which is funny because I've never worked anywhere where we've had a, where we've had a cooler that we, that we congregate to. We congregated around the podium at Great Escape. True. True. Uh, so, I own that podium, by the way. It's in my storage unit. <laughs> That is dope. We got a new one, and I was like, can I have this? And Sam was like, yeah. So I took it. That's dope. I stood there long. I stood there many years. I deserved it. Um, so uh, we, in our next segment, Logan, uh, do we have a quick take? A quick take. 
not going to lie to you. When we went going into this episode, we didn't, but we do now. All right. So um, let's move into our poop take. Okay, Logan. So hit me with the quick takes. The quick take, which, as we know, is never quick because nothing we do here is quick. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, so, keeping in theme of our discussion of The Walking Dead, you're getting your own Walking Dead spinoff. Okay. It can be anywhere you want. Right. You can have two companions. Okay. Where are you going? Who are you going with? Right. So, um, this one is, I mean, it's a little tricky because there are a lot of characters I really like. Um, Eugene. Do we want to say, for the purposes of this discussion, um, Rick is off the table? Yes, Rick Rick Grimes is off the table. So, you can't but, have Rick. But anyone else living or dead from anywhere in the universe, including the spinoffs, yes. is fair game? Yes. Okay. All right. So. Um, or the Rick Grimes 3000 comic books where it's aliens instead of zombies. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with number one. Mm-hmm. Going to be my boy, John Dory. Solid choice. Played by the great Garrett Dillahunt. He's featured in Fear the Walking Dead seasons four through six. After he leaves the show, his father, John Dory Sr., emerges, who I also like. Good guy? Bad guy? Uh, good guy. All right. John Dory is a great man. Um, he is canonically the best, like, marksman in the story um he was a cop uh who spent his free time at a place called humbug's gulch which is like a wild west themed amusement park Mm -hmm. and he did cowboy reenactments like on weekends and stuff um he is in love with a character called june and fear the walking dead they have a great romance. It's one of my favorite romances in the Walking Dead universe. Um, and he's just really badass, but he's also a really good dude. Mm-hmm. Gary Dillahunt's a good actor. Um, John would be very useful in lots of situations. Um, and my other pick would be Maggie. Uh, Maggie is very smart and resourceful, but Maggie is also drop-dead gorgeous. And at this point, it's been eight years since Glenn uh, passed away. She'll never forget him. And uh, She'll never move on. I mean, she doesn't have to forget him. She'll dude. never move on. I mean, bro. he was her one true love. Uh, her heart will go on, <laughs> much like the Roses and Celine's. Um and Rose's heart never went on. Wait, no, yes, uh, it did. She got no. I would argue her Rose, her heart did not go on because she got married, married. had kids, <laughs> had grandkids, and when she died, she still went to the afterlife to go meet up with a fucker she had only known for three days. And why her afterlife was the Titanic, the I, most uh, traumatic moment of her life. What, like that is so whack. But um, no, bro, she died and went to hell. That's why. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah, we definitely don't own the rights. Um, yeah, so uh, Maggie's really hot, and um, I 
I don't think that John Dory and Maggie would ever uh, link in because uh, he's in love with June. Uh, so, uh, like, I guess she's also bringing Herschel with her, too. And Savannah shooting me daggers, but she's canonically, so, she's so in, in my head canon, it was very tragic, but Savannah got eaten, so at this point, <laughs> I'm not, like, stepping out on my woman. She just, she just got eaten. Um, so... <laughs> Not cheating uh, if she was eaten by the zombies. <laughs> it's not cheating if she was eaten. <laughs> I didn't cheat. We, the zombies did eat. We putting that on the t-shirt. Um. So yeah, I, I'm going with with uh with John Dory and Maggie. Solid choices. Where are you going? Um, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to the beach. We're gonna go to Florida somewhere. Hmm. All right. Okay. It's cool. Why the beach? Why Florida? I like beaches. Bam, y'all still fighting zombies. I mean, sand walkers. Got the default too. Fuck? Sand walker. Those are called Tuscan Raiders. Look, 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 this is the way look, this is the way I look at it. There are there's hella beachfront property available now. Right. If I can clear and secure the area. Damn, there's only there's only three of y'all. We can do this. Not securing the whole beach. We can do this, B. No. but I it's, mean, it's, it's, eight, it's eight years into the apocalypse, B. There's going to be some zombies, but it's not going to be overrun the way, like, say, New York would have been. Like, like we can do this. <laughs> the way New York would have been, you know, like, right now. Um, there's too many people there. Fair. Fair. Um, I would let Florida sink out into the ocean be done with it. Although, you could claim Disney World for yourself. It's not a beachfront property, but you know, it's Disney World. Take that shit. Build your own kingdom there. Uh, me, I'm going to go with my first choice. Uh, one, he's a loyal and trustworthy companion. Daryl. He's a good dude. He's a great marksman, great tracker, decent hunter, I suppose. Um, Man a few words, so I feel like he wouldn't talk my ear off, which would be nice. Especially if we're like going on long journeys. I'd be like, I don't wanna I don't wanna talk like the whole time. Like let's let's just let's just walk in silence, you know. Be cool. Uh second part also he could teach me how to use a crossbow effectively. That'd be dope. Who doesn't want to know how to use a crossbow? Know your second person. You probably I know, do. I know this in my heart mm -hmm. because I know, like, I know myself, right. and I knew that one of them was going to be a very attractive woman, okay. so I know that for you... First of all, first of all, I'm going to cut you off, okay? This bit is supposed to be taken seriously. These are these are genuine questions. Which is why... These are... This is not who am I trying to set myself up with in the zombie apocalypse in a fictional universe, sir. Which is why you set yourself up with Rosita. That's not the... <laughs> That's not the point. Are you correct? Yes. Yes, you are. But that's not... I didn't choose Rosita because I was trying to set myself up with... Choose this with, life. With, this life chose me. I, the life did choose me. But I'm not choosing her because I'm trying to set up a little, you know, apocalypse... Rendezvous. Rendezvous 
Palayou Francais. I'm not doing that. She's a great fighter. She is also a lady of few words, unless she just has something to say. Um, a great. She's loyal. She hella loyal. She was loyal to Abraham, and he cheated on her with Sasha. Rat bastard. That's why he deserved to get his head bashed in out here cheating on Rosita. Wouldn't have been me. Not that that's what this is about. Um, you know, she... Okay, yes, I'm setting myself with, up with Rosita because I think Rosita's hella attractive. And in this... I, I can do this. It's my bit. I can do this in my bit. Nobody can judge me. Exactly. At least I didn't kill my I mean, fiance in the early days of the zombie. I apocalypse. didn't kill my fiance. The zombies ate my fiance. Exactly. I'm not out here, you know, getting rid of my significant other that I don't have, ladies. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Unless you're not. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but you know, look. He's a nice guy, ladies. Yeah. Okay. We. I'm, I'm okay. Uh. I'm. Look. I'm setting myself up with a with a trusty best friend, and a like a super fine and badass possible girlfriend. And you know what? Hell, she, she with she with Gabriel. I'm way more interesting than Gabriel. That man was plagued with internal conflicts for years. He was hella useless. And he dated a trash lady. I ain't out here dating trash people. That's disgusting. Although she cleaned up pretty nice. I mean, she did, but she was still, you know. She was problematic. She, she popped, hella problematic. She popped back up on World Beyond and was hella problematic. Of course she is. But, like, that man lost an eyeball because I think he got some zombie gunk in it or some shit. I don't remember. Uh, he, he, he was, like, just useless. He wouldn't be out here fighting folk. He, he not even a great priest half the damn time. He's become a, a better preacher now. Yeah. In season 11. He, he especially gets a good when he straight murked Robert, uh, Robert Patrick. Who deserved it? Yeah. He deserved it. I'm just saying. I'm not out here killing significant others to, you know, set up my, my, my zombie apocalypse. I mean, like I said, I didn't kill anyone that was with zombies. That's fair. That's true. You didn't accident. kill anybody. Oh, what would your go-to... He is the writer of the story, though. I did not create this world. We, we, you will not say that and have Robert Kirkman sue us for everything we don't have. He's the creator of the fan fiction. We don't own any of this. Uh, what's your weapon of choice, by the way? Um, Keep in mind, eight years into the zombie apocalypse, bullets is scarce. Uh, Although that didn't stop Alpha um, from carrying around a sawed-off shotgun. Machete. Machete. Yeah. Okay. Or like a scythe. A scythe. Damn. But machete. That's not machete. realistic. Machete, yeah, it's very. Bro, are you the Grim Reaper of the Dead? What the? Yeah. A scythe. <laughs> it's like, a scythe. It's like it's time you all kept your appointment. Fair. Uh, so uh, uh, twin twin daggers, nope. and and a, a a bow on my back also. Double sided staff. Also worked for Darth Maul until it yes. didn't. But yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, I guess that concludes this week's uh, quick takes. Yes. <laughs> it was quicker than normal. 
I'm not saying oh, right. I deserve a Nobel Prize for watching it. I'm just saying, not all heroes wear capes, and I should be recognized for that. Yes. Um. So. <laughs> um. I guess we'll get go into the actual like reviews, like more in depth reviews of the movies we we both watched. Right. We saw Sonic Two. I did. Um. Good movie. Still haven't seen the first one though, but you know, by comparison, the first one was was better. Mm. Um, I I had a few bones to pick with Sonic Two, and I think Corey and Savannah both agreed uh, that like I Jim Carrey returns, but like I feel like it was unnecessary that he came back. Like I found I thought it would have been more interesting if the plot had been more about knuckles and like the mm-hmm. the fighting with like you, you know like yeah. all of that stuff and like tails and stuff i feel like they brought jim carrey back because they wanted jim carrey like at the box office yes right like uh he well, was one jim carrey is like out of all the real people in that movie jim carrey is mm-hmm. definitely the most famous person out of all of them his performance in the first one was like really good like it was a really good villainous performance Mm -hmm. um and in the second one it was like more over the top like in it was kind of it was it was almost kind of odd Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um but i i did like it i thought that um knuckles and tails were good additions to that universe um and i thought it was it was funny um not as funny as the first one but like i think that it's the type of sequel that if you watch them back to back they go they work well together Mm -hmm. um and i'm excited about the third movie yeah, let's just go all up into the spoilers because I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Um, one, Idris Elba as as Knuckles, fantastic, fantastic, and I love the fact that he was so Idris Elba's Knuckles was funny, hilariously so, but he was funny because he was playing everything, in my opinion, so seriously. Um, so I love that. Uh, I, I love Sonic. Sonic was great. I liked Tails. Um, at one point, I was like, who is this Shamar Moore-looking dude? Come to find out, it was actually Shamar Moore. And then I had to think to myself, how the hell did they get Shamar Moore to be in this movie? Nah. But okay, cool. Um, I thought Jim Carrey was fine, but that's mainly just because, I, like I said, I haven't seen the first one, so I don't have anything to compare it to. I do think he was, like, a little cheesy in parts. But, I mean, it's a it's a kid's movie about Sonic the Hedgehog, so I can't be that upset about it. Um, I love the part where Sonic goes Super Saiyan Sonic. I have no idea what that mode is called because I don't really play Sonic video games. Uh, but the thing, in my opinion, that got me super pumped was the after-credits clip where you see Shadow the Hedgehog. That might like that more so than anything else that I saw in the rest of this movie made me go, yeah, I really want to see a third movie now. So 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely left wanting to see the third movie. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as adaptations go, I really liked the first one. And this one continued in that spirit mm-hmm. um, of, like, this is pretty good quality video game adaptation right here. Um, I mean, it's definitely on the higher end of video game adaptations. It's no... It's no Super Mario Brothers movie from the 90s. Not at all. So, um, it's a success in my book. We also both um, watched... Okay, so let's dive into Moon Knight, because we saw episodes two and three. Oh, okay, yep, real quick, let me let me sing the theme song uh, that Kid Cudi cannot sue us for because it's parody. Day and night. It's time for us to talk about Moon Knight. Ethan Hawke's character just don't seem right. Join us as we talk about Moon Knight. I, 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 I. There we go. All right, so <laughs> let me know if you want a full uh, recording of that. We got y'all. I, I, I can. <laughs> but Moon Knight's episode, I was about to say seasons two and three. I was jumping the gun a little bit. <laughs> episode two and three. Um, You start. Uh, so, I thought that episodes two and three were both good episodes, with three being the best of the three so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I like getting to see more of Mark. Um, Ethan Hawke's character is shady, but I, balls. I like getting to see more of him so that you see kind of like what his deal is. Mm-hmm. Um I really like the third episode going to Egypt. Um, it was very uh, Indiana Jones. Yes. I like seeing the Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, so far it has been so far I've been enjoying it because of Oscar Isaac mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, it has not been it has not been what I was thinking it might be. Okay. I don't know really know how to explain that. Like, I guess from the trailer, I was thinking, um, I guess I don't really know what I was expecting. Um, so like, I'm not sure that I'm liking it as much as I thought I was going to, but the first three episodes have been interesting. And the third is the most interesting. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's trending in the right direction for something. That's only six episodes so far, or will will only be six episodes. I liked, I really enjoyed the first episode. I in, I liked episode two, but it's probably my least favorite of all of them that have come out so far. Um, I, I loved episode three. I loved the whole going to Egypt thing, uh, going inside the Great Pyramid of Giza. The You get to meet some of the other like avatars for the Egyptian gods. Um, I loved the whole Mark being like, yo, Khonshu, like, maybe we should get the other gods involved in this. And he was like, they're petty and they care not for these things, but I'll, uh, I'll set up a meeting. Also, uh, they're not going to like this. And so then they, he, he causes an eclipse to happen. They summon the meeting. Mark goes in there and um, they're just like, now we shall have all of the gods present. And everybody just acts as like a 
basically a human avatar for their version of their for whichever deity there they belong to i think there was like osiris and some other people there uh and i love how before the meeting starts khonshu was like we need to uh we need to have everything ready to go we don't need to be acting all kinds of crazy when we get there and then as soon as ethan hawk's character shows up khonshu through mark just starts yelling yelling and i'm like aren't you the one that just said we need to we need to be chill we need to we need to have all of our ducks in a row we need to be we need to be smart about this and you're just you're losing it i like the fact that khonshu while a while a, a deity is just a petulant child he's just like we need to do this because he's trying to unlock the, the fucking goddess that we shouldn't be unlocking and they're all just like yeah fam yeah you're crazy and Ethan Hawke, rightly so, calls out Conchu's like, I mean, look, I'm just visiting the desert because I like visiting the desert. And if anything, you should be upset with Conchu for taking advantage of this clearly mentally unstable man. Who, fam, Mark Spector, Stephen, whatever the hell his last name is, they are very unstable. Yeah. And I like the fact that, at least to me, it seems like, because you get... Later on in the episode, Mark is talking to Layla and he's like, I used to have this like under control a lot more because she didn't know that he had split personalities. And I'm led to believe that like it was easier for him to control the other personalities before Khonshu started like inhabiting his body. And that's what caused the like walls to break down in his mind and all that. I also love the fact that during the, old, the whole um, fight sequence on the rooftops, uh, Mark is fighting a bunch of villains. One of the villains just licks his knife and Mark just punches the dude straight in the face. <laughs> yeah. the, I was like, that is very Indiana Jones when that dude is just like, look at all the cool shit I can do. And then he just shoots him. Um, but they're fighting. Steven is like, no, don't kill him. And then like all of a sudden, Mark blacks out. And when he comes to, there's just a bunch of people that are dead. And Mark's like, Steven, what did you do? And Steven's like, I didn't do this. And he's like, well, I didn't do this. So I was like, oh, okay. So they are going to the fact that there is because he has like three at least three main personalities and i want to say that character's name is like jake lockley um so i'm curious to see how they incorporate that character um i'm excited for a lot of the stuff that i think is coming down the line and i'm very curious to see how mark and layla handle Ethan Hawke and his like whole legion of like supervillains or whatever considering that how the episode ends I don't think Mark has access to the suit anymore since Khonshu is sealed up uh, but yeah I'm really really curious to see how that's uh, going to play out also I think next week's episode there's going to be like a giant purple laser that comes out of one of the pyramids I also really enjoyed Khonshu just turning the sky backwards like 2000 something years yeah that was dope that was dope. Also, I felt bad for anybody that was having a trip at that moment. Like, anybody who was, like, you know, on the substances, they were freaking out. <laughs> I'd have freaked out even, and I'm not on substance. Like, if I just saw the sky, like, moving all willy-nilly, I'd be like, it's Thanos again. Like, if I lived in the Marvel Universe and I saw the sky freaking the fuck out, I'd be like, yep, more aliens. More aliens are coming. Great. Great. We're, we're probably going to get blinked out of existence for another five years. Oh, also, I wanted to ask you this. All right, so 
you know how like so we've got the Norse gods and stuff like that. Not really gods, advanced aliens. Do you think these are actual gods, or do you think this is just more advanced aliens? Um, the way that it's presenting them mm-hmm. is as actual gods. Mm. I think. Okay. Um. Which is interesting. Yeah. I um I I think they're gods or at least a higher form of being than what the Asgardians would be. Because the Asgardians, like, even in what is it, the dark world, Odin is just like, we're not gods. Like we live, we die. But I I feel like at least as far as like the Egyptian pantheon goes, we, we finally get to meet some actual gods in the MCU. So I'm excited about that. I think it's interesting. I also am curious to see if they decide to play a role in the final battle, whatever that's going to look like in episode six. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it's so far, it's um, it's been interesting. Um I'm looking forward to seeing everything like come to a head and go crazy and mm-hmm. there being some action like between um Ahmed or whatever this other Ahmed, god they're yeah. trying to raise or whatever. Uh I'm I'm interested in all of that playing out. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Um Um, I mean, not necessarily. There are plenty of people uh, in the well, Marvel Universe that Savannah be killed. Savannah is saying she thinks that they're gods because um, they can't be killed. Um, I mean, I think they're. I think it's presented as if they're gods. Yeah. Um, so, whereas certainly the Asgardians are aliens. Yeah. Um. And of course, you have characters like. Like the Eternals, there's robots. Yeah, they're robots. Um, Although, then you've got Thanos, who is most definitely not a robot, who is also an Eternal. And, like, they reference the fact that he's an Eternal because his brother, played by Harry Styles, shows up at the end of the Eternals and he's like, the brother of Thanos. And I'm like, so, okay, so Thanos isn't a robot, because I saw that man bleed. So, I'm hella confused. Thanos certainly seems like an alien. Thanos was most definitely an alien. Um, Although, at, so what, has, what about, in um, the comics, he's got the deviant gene, it's the whole thing. What about, like, the... There's all these, like, god-like characters, like, um... Mm-hmm. Um, like, the, the, the characters that are in charge in the Eternals character that's in charge of it. Oh, the Celestials? Yeah. Yeah. Those are godlike beings. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Watcher in What If? What If has got to be pretty close to being a godlike being. Um, I didn't really interpret him as a god, per se, but like, it's pretty godlike power. 
Um, so that's it's interesting. It, 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 it gets very confusing. When you uh, try to like it's interesting in the DC universe as well. Yeah, they although really at least in, in the DC universe, they're just like, no, they're legit gods. They're they're gods. Yeah. Also, God, he exists. God's real, like the Judeo Christian God. Mm-hmm. He exists. He's responsible for all of it, and because the because like he's known as the presence, and then you got the source wall where like everything like from like deities and metahumans, everything emanates from there. And you've got to be like a 13th level intellect to even pass through the source wall. True story. In canon, Lex Luthor, smart enough to pass through that bad boy. Uh, but yeah, it, it, DC is just like, no, nah, they're gods. And fucking, I'm like, thank you. Because now I don't have to try to like figure this out. Whereas like on the Marvel side, especially in the movies, I'm like, okay. So you've got, you've got Asgardians who people think are gods just advanced aliens. Uh, you've got the Celestials. Kind of godlike, especially if you look at like Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Very godlike, uh, but maybe not really gods, just like... Well, see, that's complicated because like, okay, so you've got the Celestials whose job is to like seed planets with life and then after a while, the planets are destroyed so that more Celestials can be born. So, okay, if they're putting life on all of these other planets, including Earth, so they're responsible for the creation of humanity, so then where the hell do the Egyptian gods fall in all of that if they are actual deities? They can't be deities because, like, or if they are, do they rank above the Celestials? Did they tell the Celestials what to do? Or are the Celestials just doing whatever the hell it is they want to? And then the Greek gods, not the Greek gods, the Egyptian gods were like, I dig that. We're going to go, we're going to go meddle in some of that. Like it, it gets very confusing because there's no real hierarchy. Right. And now I feel like I need to do like doctorate level research in order to figure this out by the time we have the next episode. I'm not going to because I don't have the time for that. It would be, and I don't have a giant dry erase board. It'd be interesting to. to I have several dry erase boards. Thank you. It'd be interesting to sort out, right? And then you've got the living tribunal, who's like a three-faced individual, who's like basically one of, if not the most powerful entity in the Marvel universe. Who's been referenced because in the first Doctor Strange, Baron Mordo has like the staff of the Living Tribunal. It's 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 a lot. It's, it's too much sometimes. Um Yeah. So all right. Uh before we get into Fantastic Beasts, the secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, is there anything else we wanted to mention? No, I think I've mentioned everything that I've seen so far. All right. All right. Me, 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 me. Okay. <laughs> so we we both had the uh, the opportunity to go see um, Harry I Potter would say eleven. The pleasure. Wait, Harry Potter. Oh. <laughs> Yes, number eleven. Yep. Uh, so the the awkwardly titled or would it be negative three? 
the the uh, awkwardly titled Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore, uh, because as we've talked about on this podcast before, after the first Fantastic Beast movie, we we both wish that the second one had just been called like the Wizarding World, the Crimes of Grindelwald, and then yeah. the Wizarding World, the Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, but that's neither here nor there, and I will say that this movie earns the title Fantastic Beasts a little bit more than the second movie did. Yeah. Because uh, there were there was a Fantastic Beast in this movie. There were a lot of Fantastic Beasts yeah. in this movie, and uh, I feel like they actually served the story. The story, yeah. Whereas, like, in yeah. the second one, it was just like, hey... You guys remember these are about the Fantastic Beasts, right? Here's some more magical creatures that don't really do anything to advance the plot of the story. I just can't wait till we get Quidditch through the ages. Like a Remember the Titan-style Quidditch movie? Yes. I'd watch it. Um, I have so many Harry Potter spinoff ideas. <laughs> I wish they'd run me Where the hell shirts. is our Hogwarts a History movie? Right. The and bring in Emma Watson yeah. to narrate over it yeah. at the very beginning. And she'd be like, this is the story of Hogwarts. The history. And then, you know, just boom. There you go. It gets her a quick, like, couple million. And, you know, you get us a movie about Salazar, Slytherin, Godric, Gryffindor, and the other two. Um, so, we saw uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore. And, um, so, like, I, I think... I don't think either... You or I, Logan, were massive fans of the first two movies. I, I think love the first. I love I, the second one. I think. Well, I know we both like the second one more than the first one. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the the second one. I enjoyed. Uh, I really, really liked the addition of Jude Law's young Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed. Uh, having Grindelwald's character in it. Yes. And I did like Johnny Depp's performance. Um. I am someone who is a fan of Johnny Depp. I do think Johnny Depp got railroaded unfairly um, out of his role. And I do think that um, that was something that for a long time dampened my interest in, in this movie. But they did the one thing that they could have done, which would have, like, they made this movie about Dumbledore, who was my favorite character in the Harry Potter franchise, and they cast Mads Mikkelsen, who was one of my favorite actors, <laughs> to replace Johnny Depp. So, uh, Warner Brothers uh, pulled me in, you know, just when I thought I was out. And I, I will say, um, I... This one, I almost don't want to go blow-by-blow blow the entire movie, because I, I, I think there are some things that, like, like, there are some things that, like, it, I, I think people just need to see to understand why I say this. But I think this is the, to me, this is the, the most interesting of the three. Because um, you finally get, we've always known Dumbledore is a very mysterious character. Um, and that he has a... Uh, it's been very heavily implied um, that he feels direct responsibility for what happened to his sister mm-hmm. and that there are some secrets in the Dumbledore family that uh, Albus didn't talk about 
much, if ever. And it's really good to see Albus talking about these things with characters and to see some of the, learn some of the things that shaped him into the type of person he is because I think that these experiences inform the way that he behaves his entire life. And I thought that, um, I will say this, this is the movie that finally, canonically, 15 years after it was first revealed in an interview, makes Dumbledore gay. Mm-hmm. Um, because he he outright professes his love uh, for Grindelwald. Um, and it was good to finally have that confirmed in the story in a way that served the story. Yeah, um, I like that it really wasn't in the story up until this point because up until this point there would have been no reason there's, for yeah, it. There's no, well, this because, is the first movie that even though he's in The Crimes of Grindelwald, this is the first movie that's actually about Dumbledore. Right. Because the first... Okay, so Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's Newt's movie. That's Newt's it's, story. It's movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Crimes of Grindelwald. It's Grindelwald's movie. And this one is Dumbledore. And this one is yeah. Dumbledore's movie. I really enjoy um, Jude Law yeah. as young Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, I think he's inspired by both Richard Harris and Michael Gambon. I think the studio um, wanted Michael Gambon, and Jude Law is doing... He's doing Michael Gambon, but he's, in my opinion, doing more Richard Harris. But, yeah, yes. I think he's doing... There, there are some Michael Gambon moments mm-hmm. with Jude Law... But he does come across as a young Richard Harris. One, because he looks a little bit like a younger version of Richard Harris. Yeah. Um, or, uh, he looks like a younger version of Jared Harris, Richard Harris's son. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Irish accent that Michael Gambon gave Dumbledore... There are moments where it kind of sounds like Jude Law somewhat does that occasionally, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not consistent at all. So, and that's got to be honestly, a he's just kind of just doing like, his own act, right? The most of the movie, right? And so, um, that's the, think, that's like the only the only thing. And now the marketing absolutely wants you to keep continuity with Michael Gambon, yes. like. The flashback sequences in the in all the trailers and everything show Michael Gambon and stuff, and this this is like a good fifty years before the events of like Harry Potter. True, but um, although we saw in those flashbacks, he gonna have to age up real quick because in the flashbacks to the Half Blood Prince, he's already like full blown old Dumbledore when he goes to see Tom I guess, I guess whatever happens by the end of this. War is hellacious. When, when he defeats Grindelwald. When he it, has to it, imprison his lover in prison for the rest of his life, it's gonna age him. So let me, let me ask you that. Like, do, like, if, like, say at the end of the fifth movie, if it ends in five movies, mm-hmm. like, the, like, the stress like, causes him to have somewhat of, like, a, a breakdown and then, like, you just see him with, like, longer hair and, like, some of it's turned kind of whitish gray. And he's giving up the, like, regular, regular suits and he's just wearing, like, 
those with, magical like Count Chocula robes, or like, or or if or if someone like Newt was like, you know, I've never really pegged you for like a suit person. Mm. Like, do you think that like that would track? I feel like it would be ham fisted. Honestly, so, so do it'd I. be a like, little ham fisted. Yes. So, um, I will say going back to the whole um, Richard Harris, Michael Gambon of it all. In his interactions with Newt, he's hardcore Michael Gambon. In the moments, and and in the moments where he's um, talking to his brother Abiferth, and he's just talking about his sister, Michael Gambon. In the moments where he's just like, telling people that this is the plan, but I can't tell you the whole plan and all of that. And in the way that there's that like twinkle in his eye whenever he mentions Grindelwald, that to me is when he's more Richard Harris. Because Richard Harris, like I love, Michael Gambon is my personal favorite Dumbledore. Me too. But he did not, he never had that like mischievous twinkle in his eye that Richard, like Richard Harris did. Especially like in the, um, the, uh, the first two movies, which I mean, those were the only ones. Alas, alas. Ewax. The only time Michael Gambon had that twinkle was <laughs> was ironically in the first movie he was in, where he's uh he's um walking out of the room after they show back up with the whole time turn. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. And he just walks like, off, totally and I'm like, oh, you sly bastard. Well, and and then like uh, I when he when he like storms into the room in the in the uh the fifth or the sixth movie and mm-hmm. he's like Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. Dumbledore and uh, and then when he's like <laughs> they're like uh the um we didn't think you would uh make the meeting and he's like I'm afraid I missed it but by happy circumstance I arrived to the ministry a full three hours early. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he was oh, like, what's you the other one where he was like laboring under the delusion that, that I would come quietly, and then he just like, cat, cat. <laughs> and Kingsley Shacklebolt is like, you must admit, Minister, he has style. <laughs> <laughs> I love Albus Dumbledore oh, so much, my God. and and I really okay. So I'll say like, so we dive into the review here. Like my favorite thing about this movie, um, is Dumbledore is Jude Law as mm. Dumbledore. Um, I will say this about Mads Mikkelsen. Um, <laughs> Hannibal feels notwithstanding because we have seen him play a villainous character who is definitely had a love problematic relationship with, with a man character. Yeah, like yeah. who has definitely had a uh, 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 been in love with a man on screen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen him do that. So, like. Hannibal, give us Hannibal, season four. Hannibal comparisons and jokes and all those sorts of things notwithstanding. I think Mads Mikkelsen does a really good job of not, in the same way that Michael Gambon does not in any way, shape, or form try to imitate what Richard Harris did. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, Mads Mikkelsen does not in any way try to touch what Johnny Depp did. Yeah. He plays him more understated and... I think both are valid ways to do it. Johnny Depp was a little bit more over the top. And I, I, I think what Mads Mikkelsen did in this movie worked really well. And I think, um, 
I, I really liked it. So, like, their performances, Mads Mikkelsen and Jude Law, those were kind of my favorite elements of this movie. Mm-hmm. I do think that there are some things that, like, some plot contrivances, some things they kind of yada yada past. You know, it's not a perfect movie. But what I will say is this movie, a lot more straightforward mm-hmm. than um, the last one in terms of, like, the the one thing I didn't like about Crimes of Grindelwald, and we've talked about this before, is that it had a sort of overly complicated plot that seemed almost as if J.K. Rowling kind of forgot she was writing a screenplay. Okay, so and wrote like a novel. I wanted to. I wanted to get into that. Um, and this so this you, Steve Cloves came back who wrote all the yeah. Harry Potter movies. So mm-hmm. this one is more streamlined. I enjoy Crimes of Grindelwald because it's the exact opposite of the Deathly Hallows book where she forgot she was writing a book and she was And she wrote a, a screenplay. Yeah. Yes. That, that, Deathly uh, Crimes yeah, of yeah. Grindelwald it's it's the opposite of that. It's a movie but it felt like reading a book. It did. Especially when it you did. get to the whole like catacombs under the uh, Paris, where they literally take like 15, 20 minutes to then delve into the backstory of multiple characters to just get to the point where it's like, oh, because the, the whole movie credence is like, am I a Lestrange? And they're like, and so you like, you've got people thinking that credence is Letta's like long lost brother, who is also uh, Yusuf Kama's brother. And they just take all that time to, like, just talk about it. You got multiple flashbacks. You get, like, the history of Letta's father and all of that. All for just be like, yeah, nah, fam, you're not that person because that person's actually dead. Like, that is something that would happen in the middle of a Harry Potter book because you just, a lot's been going on. You just have to have an exposition dump. And I was just like, this has slowed the pace of this movie down, but I don't mind this because it was needed. And I find it interesting. Whereas this one, uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore, it is very much, here's a script because we have to film an actual movie. Right. Like everyone remembered that. It was like, oh yeah, this, this is a movie. Let's just do that. And I like both of them. I, I, honestly, I love Fantastic Beasts 2 and 3 way more than the first one. I do too. I don't like the first one up until the third act where uh, Colin Farrell's character has basically smacked Credence around and Credence is, like, blowing up all of New York and shit. That's the most interesting part of that whole movie. And then at the end, Colin Farrell turns into Johnny Depp, um, who aged, like, real hard in between the same thing. That man had full, like, gangly beard and everything. It was weird. But I... I like Mads Mikkelsen in this movie. I, I think Mads Mikkelsen is a great actor. Um, I appreciate the fact that he didn't try to do what Johnny Depp did. Because I feel like it would have been one of those where it's like, you're just kind of pretending to be Johnny Depp, pretending to be Grindelwald. And he said it would, like, he called it, like, he said it would have been, quote unquote, creative suicide. Yeah. To, like, he was like, you have to look at it like being in a play yes lots of people play the same role in in the theater Mm -hmm. and it's your job to figure out how to play it yourself and not worry about what happened before or else 
you're not actually you're handcuffing yourself. Yeah. You can't make the choices you need to make in the moment if you're trying to be someone else. Because we both agree Johnny Depp did a really good job in Crimes of Grindelwald. Yes, and I don't. When I, I love that like, scene in Crimes of Grindelwald where he's like walking out of the tunnel to go speak to all of the wizards and stuff. It's my yeah, favorite scene in that whole movie. Yeah, I think Johnny Depp nailed that last sequence in Crimes of Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I liked about what Johnny Depp was doing is that it didn't remind me of Jack Sparrow. It were it yes. was like it was. A, it's the first time in years he's yeah. done something and he's not Jack Sparrow. What when I say because I told you like I think like over the phone or something like that I prefer Mads Mikkelsen, it's not that I didn't like what Johnny Depp did. Mm -hmm. It's that I liked... I liked the understated characterization. Mm -hmm. Um, And that almost goes also to the way it was written. Like, it's almost like Grindelwald was written slightly different in this movie as well. Um... And I like, I even like the way that they did it physically. It was like, you know, Johnny Depp had this very distinct look with the blonde hair and the the eyes. And And like Mads Mikkelsen does have the weird thing going on with the eyes, but it's very subtle. Mm -hmm. And like, they just put like one lock of his hair in the front, that like blonde white color. I liked how they recalled that. Now, I will say this. It does not bother me in the slightest that they didn't do it. But I feel like they easily could have had an in-universe explanation for why he looked different if they wanted to. Yeah, he just like transfiguration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was almost thinking they might do that. But then uh, I saw an interview where Matthew Mickelson said that, that he was asked about that. And he said, well, we discussed that kind of... And we all decided that that would be breaking the fourth wall. Because, like, it's like, you know, in the world of the movie, it's like, he's like, that's one thing. But, like, we all know what happened with Johnny Depp having to leave the movie. And he was like, we didn't really want people to go watch the movie and then be... He was like, I was hoping my performance would stand for, would speak for itself without drawing attention to the fact that, oh yeah, it used to be Johnny Depp standing here any more than it already was just by it being me and not Johnny Depp. So I think ultimately they made the right decision, but they, unlike some franchises, they do have a built-in excuse if they have to recast somebody because it's yeah. a magical world. Um, so I would like, not... It, it, it's, you've got the built-in excuse. And it wouldn't be that off-putting. Whereas, like, you watch Iron Man 1 and Terrence Howard is Rhodey, and then all of a sudden you get to Iron Man 2 and it's Don Cheadle. Like, it's, um, it's, it's weird. So, two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one question I had, mm-hmm. and one thing that I didn't love about the movie. Um... The one thing I didn't love, uh, and I mean, I, I appreciate the end result of it, but I don't like how they kind of, like I said earlier, yada yada past it, is they kind of just sidestepped having to directly deal 
with Queenie leaving Jacob for Grindelwald. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. And they just sort of like rushed them getting back together towards the end so mm-hmm. that they could have a happy ending. And I thought that that moment was so powerful. Even though I was annoyed by her in Crimes of Grindelwald and her decision, I thought the I moment... I love that moment in the movie. It was so powerful at the end of that movie. Yes, though. yeah. Because, yeah. one, she's a character who can read minds. So mm-hmm. she's empathetic in a way because she mm-hmm. knows what everybody's thinking. She's right. hurt when other people are hurt. And all she wants to do is be with this man that she loves, but because of the world that they live in, it would be a death sentence for him if they were to actually get married, which is what he always points out. He's like, we can't do this because it's against the law. And she's like, how can people being in love be against the law? I love that part because it, it, it harkens back to a lot of like realistic stuff that's happened in the world before. Like, exactly. Like they're just, there used to be certain people who just couldn't be married, whether it was man and a man, woman and a woman, people of different races and stuff like that. And you had people being out here risking their freedom and their lives to be with the person they loved. I, and so when she's like, when she's like almost pleading with him in Crimes of Grindelwald to just like come with her, and he's like, no, and she like lets out that like horrific like shriek and like, because she's in pain and she walks through the fire. I think it would have been a better choice in this movie is if she had been like steadfast in her decision to join Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the movie, she's like, maybe this isn't right. She's starting to doubt she, yes, it at the end like, of the movie. To, yeah. to, to do a complete 180 from the first movie to the next one. And maybe it's... It's, it's kind of like a disservice. And, and, and maybe, you know, she, she at the end betrays Grindelwald in a way where he knows that she betrayed her. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't completely gone back to yes. Jacob yet. Yeah, they could have told the story better, yeah. I think. And also, like, I one other aspect of that to me when uh when Grindelwald says there's only one way to handle these vermin and then he uses the Cruciatus curse like to me that didn't track as well as like if he had just killed, killed him. him yeah and I thought I I was fully thinking in that moment oh my god he's about to kill Jacob and that would have been much more powerful um if he- if he had killed Jacob, not because I would want it, because I love that character. I view Jacob Kowalski as the Ron Weasley of these prequels. Right. He's the everyman. Like, but I just find him more likable than Ron. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and, um, I've got, I got one more question Mm -hmm. and I think we'll wrap up. Um, Okay, so the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, I mean, I, I really like the movie. I think you like the movie. Um, we would definitely recommend this movie to people. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I, I have a question about is they, they introduced this conceit where there's this magical creature called a chillin' that it knows if you're pure of heart and, like, it will bow to you. And right. it's very rare that a chillin' bows to anybody because it's very rare for someone to have a pure soul. Mm-hmm. And, um... Briefly, I did roll my eyes when it bowed at Dumbledore. I laughed when it bowed. Because I was... And I love Albus Dumbledore. (laughs) Yeah. Albus Dumbledore, while having the best of intentions, is not a pure-hearted individual. Well, I I thought... I 
I was thinking it was going to bow to Newt. It, that would have made more sense. Like, and, um, and I only say this about Dumbledore because the chillin' has that built-in, like, superpower where it can see the future. So it would know that even though there was no other way, Albus Dumbledore was going to raise Harry Potter to die. And while I agree with it, because there's no other way, because Harry Potter did have to die in order to beat Voldemort, pure-hearted individuals don't raise children to be sacrificed. Like, that's just not... So when, like, the children was just like, oh, well, let me bow down to Albus Dumbledore, I was like, the f No. Absolutely not. Uh, but I do love that Dumbledore was like, oh, no. No, 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 no. There's well, somebody else here that can do this. Well, I also took that moment as like a Dumbledore is, um, especially at this stage in his career, in his life, Dumbledore is not arrogant at all. He's very humble. True. Uh, and I don't know well, if that's... Well, no, like, if, like, like if it hadn't I, been it, the part I where took, it said that it could see the future, uh, because well, Grindelwald no, was no, using no. Blood, like, like, No, I see what you're saying. Bullshit. Like, I'm not, I'm not, like, disputing that. What I'm saying is he, like, I took that moment when he says no as, like, identical to Jon Snow's I don't want it. Yeah. Like, he has his Jon Snow moment, like, I don't, I don't want it. Like, <laughs> and, like... No, I agreed that it was a little weird that it didn't bow to Newt. Mm -hmm. It was weird that it bowed to Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the person it did bow to, like, the other person or whatever, like, the other, like, the, like Santos or whatever. It was that random whatever, chick who was, had, like, maybe three lines in the whole movie. But, like, um, so my question is... I'd have laughed. I'd, have, I'd still be laughing if it had walked up to Jacob and bowed to him. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that, so, but, okay, so here's my question. Um, in the books, mm -hmm. and now I, I have not scoured every inch of Pottermore, but in the books and in the movies, mm -hmm. um, there's never a mention of a singular world leader of the wizarding community. There are, there's the Minister of Magic, there's, there are leaders from other countries, uh, there are powerful, well-respected, well-renowned leaders, Dumbledore is certainly one of them. Um, my question is, in the lore of Harry Potter, and again, it's, it's not in the movies or the books, until this movie, in the lore of Harry Potter, is there a wizarding UN or something, and that, yes. it, and that's what this is saying that they were electing. Uh, yeah. Um, um, and it's, it's, um, and I want to say Dumbledore was a part of it at one point. It's, uh, the Wizen Gummit. It, it, it's never mentioned okay. in the movies. Okay. It is mentioned I do in the remember, books. I do remember that name from the books. Yeah. It's basically, um, um, I'm looking it up now. And my, my question is, it's a combination of a court system and parliament. Where, Look, I can rationalize anything in my mind, so I can come up with my own answer to this. Mm -hmm. But my question is, where were these people when it got really bad with Voldemort? Like, did some of them...
turn to the dark side and join so, him. The first go around, they wouldn't have done anything. Well, I agree because with that. he was like he was around, but like Voldemort during his like first reign of terror was like. It, it wasn't worldwide. Like it, it, it just kind of like, right. he, he, that, was like he was, uh, a he was lo- like covert. Yeah, terrorist. he was like he was a local threat. Yeah. Like so, in, and then when you get to the t- where he comes back again, he didn't immediately start going like, "Well, we're going to start taking shit over." Like he was more covert the second time around. So, and he infiltrated the Ministry of Magic. So by the time that like you get Voldemort in. Because nobody, he comes back in four. Nobody knows he's back until the end of five. He's not back. He's back. Uh, so nobody knows he's back until the end of five. And by yeah. the time you get to six, Cornelius Fudge is out of there and they've replaced him with Scrimgeour. But like, he's already got his like fingers and stuff. And actually, you don't even see Voldemort in the death in uh, Half-Blood Prince. Like, that dude's only in four, five, and seven. Um... I think he's making moves behind the scenes almost, but more effectively than Blofeld in the new Bond movies. He's maneuvering pieces so that when he comes to power, basically at the end of six and all of seven up until the end, there's nobody that can really withstand him as far as like bureaucracy because he's got key people pretty much everywhere. It's why you don't see like the American wizard show up to help with Voldemort. You don't see American wizards. You don't see wizards from anywhere else in the world show up to help because the first time it was only like a handful of people that knew when they were fighting. Like everybody knew, but like nobody was getting involved. And the second time, by the time everybody knows, like literally knows he's back, he's already like in charge of a bunch of different stuff and he's got his minions doing shit for him. So... They the if the wizard gummit was still around, like there was nobody to like pull the trigger because one, you really didn't know who you could trust, and two, like who's to say that the people in charge weren't like followers of his anyway? Well, that's what I'm getting at is like I'm I'm thinking they almost would have had to have been infiltrated yeah. to not get involved. Um, and maybe not everybody, but enough key people in any organization can or bring maybe, anything down. Or maybe like also, or maybe they were they were they would have gotten involved had he successfully taken over Hogwarts. Like yeah. at the end, had he actually succeeded in killing Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and like word got back to them, okay, Dumbledore's dead, Harry Potter's dead, he's literally taken over Hogwarts and is trying to re-educate the kids to be like Little wizard Nazis. Nazis. Yeah. Maybe then they would have stepped in. Because if it's like a wizard UN thing, it could be like, kind of like what's going on with Russia and Ukraine right now, where it's like the it's UN... like we don't approve of this, but we can't really interfere until we have justifiable reasons. Because, like, this dude could go off half-cocked and start nuking muggles. Exactly. Also, unlike with Grindelwald, Voldemort never actually declares war. That's the thing we have to remember. Like, in in the actual books and everything, like, Grindelwald, which I'm assuming is going to happen in the next movie, because if there's going to be five of them, there's only two left, Grindelwald, like, declares, like, an Mm all-out war 
against like the wizards and muggles, which is what causes people to have to step in. Where we're finally gonna get that sweet, sweet duel that I've been waiting for ever since the end of the first movie. So Grindelwald, like, because Grindelwald rises to power at one point. He rises to power, declares war. Then there's like a legit all-out war, which damn, I don't think two movies is gonna be enough. They might have to get, they might have to pull a George Martin and add some more shit. Ah. But no, <laughs> but finish it. Um, so yeah, Grindelwald still has to rise to power. There still has to be a war. Shit's going to go crazy. Um, and that's why I want to say the majority of the wizarding world got involved. Like, Grindelwald hasn't even started using, like, the Deathly Hallows as his symbol yet. Like, that's his whole thing. He was marking that shit up in Durmstrang when he went to school there. Um, so, there, honestly, there's a lot that still has to happen. Because I want to say when Grindelwald, like, if you follow the timeline, Grindelwald rises to power, which is also happens around the same time as World War II. So all of that's happening simultaneously. So yeah, it's believable that Dumbledore would age mm -hmm. real hard mm -hmm. uh, in like the span of like 16 years. You got a thing, I mean... Also, bro, like he's can you imagine his... if the... Can you imagine if like Grindelwald and like, like, like wizards are responsible for like the, 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 the nuclear... Bomb type shit. Well, well, that's kind of what I'm. I think there's an interesting story here in which it's really the, it's really like the wizards' influence, like Grindelwald's influence, that's responsible for the Holocaust and yeah. World War Two. Like, there's an interesting story to be told here about Grindelwald being the real power behind Hitler. Yes, like. I don't know if it's going to go that well, direction. I, I, honestly, but... you can have to where Grindelwald's whole thing is like, okay, well, I failed at getting elected to be in charge of everything, so I'm going to manipulate the muggles into killing themselves. And he manipulates that Hitler. Be... And then while he's doing that, he's also like gathering wizards to his cause because there's still a bunch of wizards that are going to side with him including that randy fuck who was in charge who's like this is the real chillin i killed no. i'd have killed him but um interestingly he kind of looked like a discount uh mads Mikkelsen. he did he did and he should be ashamed of himself um yeah but no i i think the the story can go in a lot of interesting places and i want to say the director um did an interview where he was saying that if they do another movie, which they need to, because I still haven't gotten my greatest wizarding duel of all time, he wants to take the next movie to Japan. Which, nice. and if, if the timeline adds up, like, there's a, he can be influencing the Japanese, join the Germans, and all of that stuff. Like, I, I want to see where it goes, because it has the, it, it has the potential and I don't think it will, but it has the potential to be a better told story about good versus evil than the main Harry Potter books, which, which are which, a great that good versus evil story. Just like House of the Dragon actually has the potential mm -hmm. to be a better Game of Thrones than the Game of Thrones. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because... I've read Fire and Blood, Volume 1, and that shit... It's good. That The stuff that was happening... Is that the one I bought for you for your birthday or Christmas one year? I think so. Okay. It's a good the, book. That good is book. just as interesting. Did Volume 2 come out yet? No. Damn. 
that is just as interesting to me, like all the political stuff, yeah. as anything we get in the main series. Like, I mean, honestly, a lot of it is more interesting uh, because it, it, there's there's great characters. I love the main there's series. Dragons. But the main series, like the the real crux of that, is the war against the living and the dead, which you don't really get. They don't even start delving into that until like later on in the main series. Whereas like the stuff with Blood of the Dragon, it. It's, it's all about this, like, super powerful family and how a lot of infighting and jealousy and stuff like that it is really, ultimately what results in, like, ending up with Mad King Harris. Game of Thrones is really the... is really the end of the story. Yes. Like, it, it's a coda to the Targaryen legacy. Mm-hmm. It's about the... It's about the last gasp of the Targaryens. Mm-hmm. Because the last two Targaryens are John and Daenerys, and Young Griff. John chooses not to continue in the line of conquerors. Yes, and Daenerys says peace was never an option and gets put down. I mean, peace was. Never um. Right. So, but yeah. So, all right. Uh, so, I have a question though. Um. After all of this is finished. Where would you like to see the world go? The, the wizarding world of Harry Potter? Um, because I've got two specific things in mind. Me, personally, I would like to see a founding of Hogwarts type story. Yeah, that would where be... Where you see the destruction of the friendship of... I was about to say Godric's Hollow, but Godric, Gryffindor, and Salazar Slytherin. I want... Yes. And I would also really enjoy if they brought it into modern times because the Harry Potter stuff I want to say takes place in it's the late 80s through the, early 90s yeah cause like I want to say the mm-hmm. battle of Hogwarts would take place when we're in like kindergarten or first grade early yeah early 90s yeah yeah so I would love to see like what advancements the wizarding world has made by 2022 yeah because a lot like I, I love it but a lot of it does feel dated because it's it's this thing that happens like a lot of stories like this. You've got this secret society, but it's almost like they stopped advancing because they have magic. Yeah. And I would love I would really love to see what like American wizards are like in like the twenty first yeah. century. Like in like like right now. Like you cause I feel like you can have magic and technology mm-hmm. coexist in the same place. And you don't have to stunt the, like, evolutionary growth of one people to, like, have them around the same time. Right. Well, I also, I, th- I think, I agree with that. I mean, that would be my number one, is I would want to see more expansion. I would want to mm-hmm. see um, um, American Wizards more. I would yeah. want to see other parts of the world. Uh as far as spinoffs go, my number one spinoff would be the founding of Hogwarts yeah. and all of that. But like, and also like a Young Marauders. That's that's the other one. A Young Marauders uh, that goes through the first. Yeah, one so that's that's what I was gonna say. Is I talked to uh, Corey today, and we were actually talking about extensions of Harry Potter we'd like to see, and the one that he brought up was Young Marauders. I thought that was a great idea. I was saying I'd like to see a Young Snape. Story and where like he is a Death Eater, 
and then like you know what everything that happens and he turns back bro you know there'd be some snake fans who Um, lose their mind because they're like i don't want you to show him being such a villain um, and i'd be like well he was a nazi so he's a villain so um but yeah i mean there's a lot that, that hbo max they could do with hbo max that there's a there's there's just there's a lot they could be doing yeah. with these characters and if warner they, brothers if has been so out, i'm afraid that they would do the star wars thing we're like star wars has like that that entire universe it's expansive the time periods of everything insane all they do is focus on like the time period before during and after the skywalker stuff yeah. Like, I'm afraid, like, that's what's going to happen to Harry Potter. They're just going to focus on the stuff, like, around yeah. Dumbledore, Harry, and all of that. And I'm like, the world's really interesting. You should, you know, delve into it. Yeah. Um, well, that's all I got. Um, Same. I really enjoyed Secrets of Dumbledore. I hope you guys go check it out. I also saw... Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I thought it was really interesting. Um, go check that out. I, I thought that that had a pretty cool premise to it. I don't want to spoil. It had a good message about, you know, not letting... Not letting the insanity and the chaos of life cause you to become a nihilist and, and, and finding the people and the things that you care about. You know, it had a good message. But... Um. So yeah, go check that out. That's in theaters. Um, I saw X. Do you don't you don't recommend don't. If you want a great comedy, watch it. If you're expecting it to be a horror movie like it's advertised as, don't. All right. Well, uh, you guys at this point know where to find us. Send us some feedback. LNJPod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram at LNJPod. Uh, we're on Facebook, Logan and Jake Take official Facebook page. We are um, going to be back next week. Uh, we got a lot more coming your way. We'll talk about some more Moon Knight stuff. There are other movies coming out, so we'll be, uh, we'll be following up with that. Um, don't forget uh, to check out The Dead Still Walk if you're interested in Walking Dead coverage. It's a Spotify exclusive. Um, the Dead Still Walk podcast on Spotify only. Uh, and you can send feedback to that show at thedeadstillwalkpod at gmail.com. So, everyone have a great week. Go uh, go watch your, uh, your wizards. And uh, we will see you next week unless the you know universe ends in which case it's been a blast y'all